there are two aspects to this. Using your own voice in a powerful way will get your point across much more accurately and clearly. And you will find that better business deals happen because you know what you're saying and you know how to say it. Welcome to the More Than Corporate Podcast. I'm Amber Furman, recovering perfectionist and serial accomplisher. If you're anything like I used to be, You've been living your life thinking that if you accomplish enough stuff, you'll finally find the success you've always wanted. But what if it's not about accomplishing more stuff? What if it's about accomplishing the right stuff? I believe you don't find success. You create it by intentionally designing the life you want and having the courage to get out of your comfort zone to live your design. I went from doing what I was supposed to do to doing what I love to do. And now I get to help others do the same. Keep listening as I chat with inspiring people who make it their mission to live their best life every day and learn how you too can live the life you've always wanted. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the More Than Corporate Podcast. I'm super excited to have an amazing guest with me today, Jody Krangle. She has been a voice actor since 2007, and she's worked with clients from major brands all over the world, including Dell and Kraft and BBVA. She's also a singer and has put out her own album of jazz, blues, and traditional tunes. You can get that at jodykranglemusic.com. Over the years and doing what she does, she's learned a lot about how it influences people. Her podcast on the subject is called Audio Branding, The Hidden Gem of Marketing. For more information on her podcast, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. And for more information on Jody, you can visit voiceoversandvocals.com. I'm super excited to bring her onto the show and to be live streaming this to the community. So if you're not a part of the Facebook community yet, you can head over and join that. And you'll be able to be involved in this conversation and ask any questions that you may want to ask. And it's a really cool opportunity. So if you want to head over there, it's Success Center on Facebook. And without further ado, let's go ahead and bring in Jody. Hey, Jody, what's going on? How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you so much for um, jumping on the show with me. I appreciate it. I appreciate you inviting me. <laughs> I'm really excited. All right. So let's um, dig in for just a minute into what it was like for you growing up. This podcast is all about defining your own idea of success. Mm-hmm. And I'm always really intrigued to find out like what people thought they were going to be doing and then what they ended up doing. So <laughs> what did you think you were going to be when you grew up? Oh, my goodness. That's a good question. But, you know, um, when I started out, my family was always very musical. So I always thought, well, I'll have something to do with the music industry or I'll be a singer or something. And then, you know, as you get older, you kind of start to I mean, I, I love the creative stuff. I love doing that kind of thing. But you start to realize that it's not exactly probably what's going to put a roof over your head. (laughs) Right. So, you know, I started to think of, oh, I want to dig up dinosaurs. That was like, (laughs) that was number one. (laughs) Number two was psychology. And then I got to university and I walked into my first statistics course and that was the end of psychology. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I went through and got an English degree and I don't know if that's exactly what I pictured doing. It was the easiest way I could go at the time. (laughs) 
It's so crazy how so often we feel like I don't really know what I want to do. So I need to do something. And, and we're raised that way. Instead of thinking, let's step back. Let's think about what it is we actually want. We're just told to, you know, push through. Yeah. Um, obviously with what you're doing now, this English degree and communication and all of that has worked out well for you. Well, it has, you know, I do use it every day. Um, I it, it, I always loved reading, so that was a part of it too. Um, but one of the things that I did grow up with was a mother who was an entrepreneur. She was a um, self-employed um, interior designer for most of my childhood. So, uh, and my dad had a family business. So I did get an inkling of what it be, what it would be like to be self-employed. And I got that from a really early age. So I was lucky about that. And I also saw the failures, you know, yeah. like they, they don't tell you all of that, right? Like <laughs> you don't get that firsthand unless you do it yourself, unless you grow up with people who did a couple of businesses and it didn't work out in some cases. And you understand that it's not the end of the world. <laughs> yeah. So on that note, it's really interesting because when I entered into the entrepreneurial space, I kept telling myself that I didn't have any entrepreneurial influences. And then I started thinking back to growing up and I thought, wait, dad had his own business. Grandma mm -hmm. had multiple businesses, right? So I'm in the middle of this entrepreneurial or introduction to entrepreneurial, like entrepreneurs 101, like mm -hmm. the first like five years, right? Um, and I'm talking to my mom and I said, you know, I just, it's interesting because I didn't have any entrepreneurial influences. And she starts laughing and she says, that's all you had was entrepreneurial influences. I yeah. did everything I could to keep your feet on the ground and, and help you stay realistic. And so I think it's really interesting what we choose to remember it's from true, what yeah. we were talked about in growing up in the entrepreneurial world. It took me a while to realize what I had learned. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so crazy. Yeah, it's one of those things that you have to reflect on to sort of understand later on in life. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So growing up with this entrepreneurial background from your parents, were they super hardcore on you need to go to school, you need to get an education, or was it your in your direction what you wanted to do? You know, it's kind of a mix of both. I think that they had been raised with the idea that you went to college or you went to university. I'm in Canada, so for okay. us, it's university. <laughs> what part um, of Canada? I'm just north of Toronto. So, okay. yeah. Um, and for us, it was, you know, yeah, you needed to go to university, you needed a BA, or you were unhirable. I mean, that was the way I grew up, right? I'm, I'm very firmly a Gen X. <laughs> So uh, <laughs> uh, that was the way that we were taught to do things. So it wasn't even me rebelling. It was, I didn't even, I didn't even know there was another way of doing it. <laughs> yeah, that's it's such an interesting point because I feel like that generational gap is so important in mm -hmm. understanding whether college or university was, was expected and not necessarily expected by parents, but socially expected, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So when did you start to realize that this entrepreneurial path was something that you were going to pursue? Well, I got my first computer when I when I was quite young. I mean, for me, right? Uh, 1986 was when I got my first computer. And I was on the internet in 1995. So computers have really always been a part of my life. And I love them. And I love everything that they can do. And 
exploring these new frontiers was always really important to me. So that's a part of the entrepreneurial spirit because going on the internet, I mean, it's like the ultimate equalizer, right? Like (laughs) everything on there is just what you see, you know, and you have to form in your mind whether this is true or not because, you know, (laughs) there's all sorts of stuff out there, products and services I'm talking about, not necessarily everything else, although that's an issue too. (laughs) Um, But yeah, there are all sorts of products and services and things that you can do on the internet. Um, And how do you differentiate yourself from the other people offering these things when you no longer have a storefront? So that was an interesting an interesting challenge that I found when I was starting out just after graduating university. And because I'd always been into computers, I had sold computers when I was going through high school. Um, I uh, had, I worked for a software company for, at a, like a, they were like a medical software company and we were selling it to doctor's offices and things like that. So I did that when I just, when I was still in university. And, and after that, it was like, I, I actually did end up working for someone for about five years. I was just a secretary. Like I was, I was like at the front desk in a really, really tiny little office, like a satellite office for a powder paint company of all things. (laughs) And, and we got a modem and we had a computer and I had learned typing early, early on and was a very fast typist and still am because that was probably the most important skill I picked up in all of my schooling. (laughs) Um, And, uh, and I learned the internet from being at this really small office because all my work was done by 1030 in the morning. You know, I was, I was bored. (laughs) So it's crazy. Yeah. But I've found throughout my life that being bored is my greatest stimulus. Interesting. (laughs) So it's, it's really, you made up a good, or you made up, wow, you made a good point. You just make up stuff all the time. Entrepreneurs, right? That's sure. what we do. Um, now you made a good point about having to adjust from this brick and mortar idea into this virtual idea and mm-hmm. that area where, you know, we grew up when it was the internet existed, but you had to make sure nobody was going to pick up the phone while you were connecting to the internet. And this yeah. idea of like, instant gratification with things that you wanted online and what we're doing now, like wasn't possible. Mm-hmm. And so then you have this shift in business where you can now get things online and online shopping becomes a thing. And you're kind of, um, entering the workforce during that shift. Right. Oh, yeah. So when did, um, let's, let's talk about music for just a minute. Cause I think that it's <laughs> so interesting how these two things correlate. Were you, did you always have this passion for music? Did you always know that you wanted to create some sort of like an album or was it something that came later on in life for you? Uh, it was something I grew up with. My, my sister who, uh, I, have a, I have a younger sister. She's also a performer and does a lot more performing actually than I do. <laughs> um, but uh, we grew up with music. My whole family was musical. Uh, my dad played guitar and piano by ear and my mom sings. I mean, they all, they're still here, so thankfully. <laughs> so uh, they still do these things. <laughs> uh, but we had sing-along time at bedtime. We didn't have story time. That wasn't what we did. We, we, 
we sang. So that was our introduction to everything musical. And I always loved music. I did music all through junior high, all through high school, all, you know, I kind of stopped doing it through the school system in university and did it on my own when I was in university, collaborating with people. Um, That's awesome. What, yeah. what instruments do you like to play the most? I am a singer. That's all okay. I do. <laughs> Very cool. Which is a difficult instrument in and of itself. I, it, I think yeah. that that gets overlooked, right? People forget yeah. that it really isn't just like showing up, saying words and making sounds like it's oh, yeah. an instrument. Yes, it definitely is. And I actually did play piano by ear for quite a long time. But um, really, I wanted to focus on the voice. That was where my love was. So I that's awesome. Yeah. And obviously, we know from the intro, and then also what we're going to get into here in just a minute, that that love for the voice and communication has mm -hmm. followed you into what you're doing now, which is amazing. What other lessons do you think have been helpful for you in your business and entrepreneurial journey that you learned from the music world? Uh, that you should get paid for what you do. <laughs> that is a big one. Um, I actually uh, was speaking to someone earlier today. Um, starving artists should not be a thing. I agree. That's, that's not that's not fair to the art. It's not fair to the people creating the art. They need a roof over their head. They need to be able to be a person that isn't worried about their next check every like five minutes so that they can create what they create and not worry too much. You know, yeah. like <laughs> when do you think this became like a thing? Because it's, it's so crazy when we talk about it like this, that if you were to go to, you know, somebody who sells computers, like you mm -hmm. were talking about previously, if you were to go to a marketer, if you were to go to anybody and be like, Hey, I really like what you do. I just, I'm not going to pay you for it. Can you give me your stuff for free? That's <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. We or, do or, it with uh, uh, what is it? Um, exposure bucks? Yes, yes, exposure exactly. Exposure bucks. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yet we do it with artists all the time. Yeah. When do you think that became socially acceptable to like ask somebody to give you their created piece of art and not expect to pay for it? Oh, it's it's that's a tough call. I mean, artists have had a tough time of it since they needed to seek out patrons in like the Middle Ages. Like we're talking about, you know, way, way back. Right. Um, although I honestly think that art was more appreciated back then, like the, the 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 famous painters, for instance, all had patrons. They had people who took care of them so that they could make their great art. and that's more needed in our society than we think. <laughs> yeah. Do you see it shifting now with musicians and artists and songwriters and creators? Do you see it shifting where they are realizing that creative fields require an income just like everyone else? Like your, your landlord doesn't say, oh, I get it. You're a musician. You don't need to pay me. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I could say that I have, but I don't. It's getting even harder for artists and, and musicians and, and people to make a living now because of the internet, because everything is free on the internet or everyone assumes everything is free on the internet, right? <laughs> so it's become this kind of um, 
Well, like I was saying, like an equalizer, right? Like mm-hmm. it's just taken everything and put it in one place and not put any barriers up at all. And that can be a good thing and that can be a bad thing. And I think for musicians especially, it's really hard for them to make a living now. Like that's just, yeah. I, and I've been watching this since the days of, of streaming media started and it's just getting worse. <laughs> yeah. So with that being said, you have these these skills and qualities and things that you're good at that make you a good musician and kind of get put in this box of, okay, this is what I do. And then you have a hard time making a living doing that because it's not appreciated and respected in financial means. So then you have to get really creative about how you're going to use those skills, talents, and resources to support yourself. When did that shift start to happen for you? Oh, for me, probably back in, uh, well, when I started in 2007, um, I came from the SEO and internet marketing world because that was what I was doing, which was very logical and very uh, not all that creative. It was a little bit creative because you had to write copy, you had to get things figured out, um, but mostly it was computer work. And you were never guaranteed that what you thought would happen would actually happen. <laughs> so it was kind of both a science and an art. <laughs> but around 2007, Google became the only game in town. And I got really bored when that happened. <laughs> you know, yeah. all the other search engines pretty much disappeared and, and were not really all that important anymore. Yeah, they're not even remembered. Like when you search something, you Google something, it's just become a term of art, right? Yeah, exactly. But, you know, there used to be a ton of other ones out there and, and they used to all be really, they used to have all of their own algorithms and stuff like that. And so it used to be a really interesting process to see if you could get someone higher up in a search engine and which one it would take in, you know? Um, And then when Google became the only game in town, I just got bored. I, I just, I realized that what I was doing was selling my hours of time for a specific dollar amount. And there were only so many hours in the day and only so many hours I could work. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I hit a ceiling of, okay, well, it looks like this is how much money I can ever make doing this unless I scale. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's really interesting. I'm glad that you brought that up because so many times we have this conversation with ourselves of I'm tired of working hourly or salary, right? Mm -hmm. I'm tired of exchanging my time for money. So I'm going to open my own business. And then individuals open their own business and they end up just exchanging time for money under their own brand. And so this idea of like actually creating this financial freedom where you're not exchanging time for money, there's like this gap where people convince themselves that's what they're doing when it's not. Yeah, exactly. And when I found voiceover and I started working in that area, I realized that it works much like music licensing. So I'm licensing my voice. It's not based on how long it takes me to do a project. It's based on where they're using the voice and for how long. So very, like I said, very similar to music licensing. So what that means is that I'm no longer exchanging my hours, my time for dollars. It's a matter of how much money this is going to make someone else 
Which is the way it should be. Yeah. Which is the way it should be. And, you know, we have this conversation often when it comes to pricing your products and pricing your services as an entrepreneur, as a business owner. And I'll talk to people all the time and I'll be like, how much, how much is this going to cost? And they'll say, oh, it's not going to take me that long. And I'm like, you will always be exchanging your time for money Mm -hmm. if your answer is, well, it only takes me this amount of time. And I remember, I don't know what book I read it in. It might've been a podcast, but I heard somebody say that it's the value that you add to somebody's life That is what you should price your products on, not the amount of time that it takes you to create it, which was a huge shift for me. Like, what does this mean to the person that's buying it? Because that's where the value in dollar correlation exists. Exactly. And the thing that you have to keep in mind, too, is that um, as you get better at what you're doing, it'll take you less time. Yeah, that for doesn't sure. Mean, that doesn't mean you should be paid less. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, all of the hours of education, all of mm-hmm. the practice hours, all of that stuff has made you the person who can do this well. Yeah. And, and you deserve to be compensated for that. So that's a really, really good point. So when you found this voiceover world, which mm-hmm. is great that you found a way to stop exchanging time for money. When did this passion for helping other people understand the power of your voice and how to use it appropriately and all of that come from? Uh, It actually stems a lot earlier than when the podcast started, which was November 2019. Before that, I had a songwriting resource on the web. I was one of the first people who had a large-ish website in 1995. It was called The Muse's Muse, and it was a songwriting resource website that had a whole bunch of columnists and articles, and it had artist spotlights, and um, I even had a radio show in 2002. Wow. An online radio show using real audio. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> way back, way back. Yeah. And how many of us remember real audio? Probably not a man, not all that many. <laughs> uh, but it had that. It had a message board. Uh, I had a, a newsletter that I sent out for 18 years, once a month for 18 years, um, nonstop. I didn't, I, I didn't miss one. And it ran from 1995 until 2016. And 2016 wow. was was really like I was doing it sort of part time. It was sort of a it was generating a little bit of advertising revenue. And beyond that, it was taking up a lot of my time. Rightfully so, because it was my baby. <laughs> um And it helped a lot of people as it was going along, but it was meant to be a resource and it was meant to facilitate songwriting and music and making a living from your music for other people. And what I found was that while I was helping to facilitate that for other people, I kind of stopped songwriting. (laughs) Oh, So, you know, and I, I actually, I was okay with that. It was like, there was a point in my life where writing a song was a catharsis. It was like, it was a release of energy that I needed to get out into the world, whether it was good or bad. It didn't matter. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I definitely relate to that. I play the piano poorly. um, (laughs) And it's so funny, because I'll go through these phases where my Mm -hmm. piano goes untouched for so long. And then it's like, you're relearning it all over again. And you're like, my God, I should be better than this, right? But that release of just having something, I mean, there's a a direct correlation between music and 
happiness in my oh, opinion. Yeah. And so oh, totally. just being able to have that relaxation is amazing. Yeah. And so, uh, but I, you know, I, I enjoyed the whole process of it and I really liked being a facilitator that being that guide, being that, that helpful person to point someone in the right direction. I like that. I don't necessarily want to be a teacher. I'm, I'm not interested. Yeah. I, I don't really want to be a coach. So there are a lot of people who have been in the business as long as I have and have started coaching for voiceover. That's not something I ever want to do. I, I like mentoring. I like helping individual people, but I don't tend to charge. You know, maybe it's that aversion to charging dollars for my hours, you know? Very maybe well that's what be, it right? Is. I just thought of that. <laughs> but yeah, maybe that's my aversion to it. Um, but yeah, that early experience with a resource on the web and how involved I got in it and how much it meant to me kind of informed the start of the podcast. Um, I actually had an earlier podcast to the one that I ended up having to to audio branding that was less successful but um what what ends up happening when you have a podcast is that people start treating you like an authority in that subject matter as you know i'm sure yeah. um and originally the first one that i did it was just called jody's silver linings and all it was was really short little discussions about take time to enjoy life don't sit behind your camera when you're at a meeting or when you're like with family and take pictures all the time. Because if you're taking pictures, you're not experiencing the moment. Give yourself some, you know, space to relax. You can have peace. You don't have to have music or anything playing constantly. You don't have to be constantly productive. <laughs> <laughs> all of these really simple little life lesson things that I learned because I'm getting older. <laughs> yeah, and, it comes with the age for sure, right? Yeah. So I put them into a podcast. And what happened was um, it started in the summer of 2019. And by October, I was being asked to be a life coach. <laughs> <laughs> and I I just, I put up the the wall on that one because that's not what I wanted at all. And and I never thought anyone would ever ask me for such a thing. So. <laughs> yeah, like, well, what life are you looking at, right? I feel like that's so often where I'm like, <laughs> what I realize that this is what I do. And then I look at my life sometimes and I'm like, dude, like, why do people listen? Right. Um, and and I think that that's the beauty of it because we yeah. all feel that way, right? It's the human, the human emotion behind it. Um so for that person who's listening, that's saying, okay, this is great and it's entertaining and that's awesome. I'm not a musician. I don't like what, why do I care about <laughs> voice? Like why should the common business owner or um, common entrepreneur, if that's even a thing, mm -hmm. care um, about voice and how to use it properly? Well, there are two aspects to this. Using your own voice in a powerful way will get your point across much more accurately and clearly. And you will find that better business deals happen because you know what you're saying and you know how to say it. But beyond that, if it's not you that's doing the voice for your company, then the person that is should be representing your company in audible format. So that's where the whole audio branding thing comes in. And that's kind of why I 
graduated, I guess, from my early podcast into this new one because it was such an important topic and it was something that a lot of business owners really don't give a lot of thought to. So just at at its very basic level, if you're a jewelry store, you shouldn't have 80s hairband on your music, on your on hold. Like that shouldn't be a thing. You need to relate the music that you would have playing in your brick and mortar store and have it on your on hold. And the voice that you have speaking on your on hold should also reflect who your company is. So it's what it is, is it's a melding of your visual and your audio. And if they're not similar, if they're if they're really different, people aren't going to trust you and they're not going to understand why, because there's a disconnect there. And it kind of makes you look like you don't know who you are. (laughs) It's so interesting because I'm such an advocate of being completely intentional with everything that you do. Mm -hmm. Intentional with the choices you make throughout the day, who you're with throughout the day, when you do certain things. Like I believe that success comes from intentional actions all the time. And yet I have this law firm as my other business and you're talking and I'm going, do I even know what my hold music is? <laughs> yeah. And I, and I don't. And so it's, it's interesting because with my podcast, I know I care mm-hmm. with my coaching business. I know a little bit, I care a little bit more. And then there's this law firm where I'm just like, oh, somebody else takes care of that. Yeah. And that statement that you just made of like, most business owners don't even think about it. Like it's so true. And I can Mm -hmm. experience that in my own business. Yeah. And I mean, when you're talking about a business, for instance, like a law firm, they often have internal videos, they have presentations they give to clients, they have um, maybe even trade shows that they go to, you never know. Um, They're on hold, certainly, who's, you know, what voice is coming up when the phone is is rung, you know, Um, all sorts of things like that. Even uh, even anthem videos that they might have on their website. Like, you know, this is who we are and we're proud of who we are. You know, those kinds of videos that you see on websites. I do a lot of those. (laughs) But a lot of, you know, law firms would have that. Doctor's offices might have that. Um, Hospitals might have that. Financial institutions could have that. Um, You know, uh, even tourism places, hotel chains can have that. Big tech companies have that. There's all of these things. But the the thing that they all have in common is that hopefully they're taking into account who the company is, what their visual branding is, what the why is behind what they're doing, and who their audience is. And there's sort of a mingling of all of those things to decide how you want to present yourself to the world and whether it's going to be what you actually are, whether it's your brand DNA that you're showing to other people in that visual and audio format. It's really interesting because everything that you just said is so powerful in the fact of how we, I I believe we pick so many things through music. We Mm -hmm. represent ourselves through music. Um, I have a music Monday in my group and a playlist of all my pump up songs. and, And so much happens through the feelings that you get through music. And now you're talking about communicating with your clients through those feelings that you create through music. And what you just said is extremely powerful because when people think of what music they're going to use, they're like, how does the song make me feel? Mm-hmm. What does the song represent to me? And what's really blaring 
through my head right now is a statement that I, or a conversation I had with somebody about branding previously, where we were talking about the dangers of starting with why, because why you started and why mm -hmm. your customers are going to buy are two totally very, different. very different things. Yeah. And I'm, I'm having this same kind of flashback with this music. Like the reason that you love music and the reason that your customers are going to relate to that music are completely different. And understanding that maybe the music that you love isn't the music that's going to inspire the feelings that you want to inspire in your customers as mm -hmm. they're walking in your store. Like that's an incredibly powerful conversation to have knowing the way our brains work. There's actually a lot more to unpack with that, too, because if you're talking about brick and mortar stores and the music that they play while you're shopping, how long do you want people in your store and who do yeah. you want to attract to your store? So if you're uh, if if you I haven't been shopping in a store in a while. Oh, so, yeah. Canada's but, uh, still really shut down. right? <clears throat> well, we're actually we're just opening again, but it's it's been it's been a wild ride. Um <laughs> Uh, but but what I remember is that the stores that had the loud pumping music were generally for the younger crowd, right? And and there's a, an, another portion of that is that they didn't want them to stick around all that long. That's why the music was so loud and 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 you know jumpy, right? Because <laughs> wow. it makes you a little tense, and it means it it actually makes us a little tense, and it means that we don't want to stick around there too long. Right. So your music, what you use to represent your business has a lot of components to it. And psychologically, you have to think, how is that going to affect the people who visit your store? So, um, you know, if you have a certain type of music that, you know, is going to appeal to a younger audience, then but you want them to stick around, then maybe that music isn't so loud that it's like blaring into people's ears so powerfully you know um but yeah it there's there's different things to think of y you can actually in a restaurant you can influence how well you taste what's on your plate by the music that you're hearing by the yeah. sound around you it's so crazy to think about the way that everything's so interconnected. And yeah. when I really started to dig into NLP and understanding the way the mind works and, mm -hmm. and all of that stuff, you realize that, you know, all these decisions that we make throughout our day are made emotionally oh, and yeah. they're made based upon emotional connections that we most of the time don't even know exist. So with what you're talking about with food, like we may not know why we're ordering what we're ordering. We mm -hmm. may not know why every time we walk into a specific restaurant, we order something that we don't eat anywhere else, right? Like why do the cravings get get stronger when we're in rent one restaurant other than another. Okay. And there's so many things that go into that, but that music part of it is, is one of them and being able to actually influence your experience by what you play. So moving this now into the entrepreneurial world and online marketing that we're in right now. So you mm -hmm. have this person who's not necessarily using sounds, but they're using their voice and they're communicating on Facebook lives and they're um, talking about their products and services. How important is it for them to know how to use their, their voice properly? I think it's pretty important. I mean, if you're doing a lot of talking, you don't want to damage your voice. That's number one. But at the same time, 
you don't need to be inauthentic with your voice. Like I, th- I know a lot of people who do podcasts edit out the ums and likes and whatever, yes. like, like just insanely, like they just get rid of every single little one. You know, I have to say I'm not a fan of that because it just makes you sound robotic. It doesn't make you sound like a real human being, real human beings pause. <laughs> yeah. They, 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 you know, repeat words. They say, um, every once in a while, if you want to cut that down, and I've actually had a couple of people on my podcast who've given me some hints. One particular is a woman named Cynthia Jai, who is a, a voice, like she's a, a speaking coach out of Singapore. And she teaches a lot of, a lot of women, but men as well, who are CEOs who need to sound like their CEOs. And one of the things that she tells you is um, pausing, like giving yourself breathing room. And breathing correctly, that's one of the big things. When you breathe in, like when you take in breath, your stomach should be going out. Interesting. Yeah. It's like inflating a balloon and then deflating a balloon, right? So you're letting out the air, you're deflating. I'm interested to know. So anybody who's listening to this live or on replay, comment in the comment whether you just tried to breathe, because I know I did. (laughs) And I'm so curious to know how many of you listen to this without breathing and paying attention to how you breathe. Like, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's things like this that we don't know we need to care about. Yeah. That are so interesting. So for individuals that are like, hey, I love where this conversation's going. I want to know more about you. Do you have any place that they can get some tips or tricks on audio or how can they connect with you? Well, I mean, if you go to the audio branding podcast, so audiobrandingpodcast.com, you'll find a lot of really interesting information there. My blog on the same website usually has some show notes and fairly extensive show notes, actually, and the player at the top. So you can go to the blog and sort of experience both the podcast and the notes. And occasionally I do solo podcasts. And when I do that, I actually reference videos and and MP3s and stuff like that, that people can sort of check out while they're listening. So um, yeah, it's, I find it really educational for me too. You know, it's, I'm, I'm learning cause I'm curious. <laughs> yeah, we all are. And I think that that's one of the biggest things that I want to point out as we start to head into this success segment of this podcast is, you know, we're all learning as we do this. Too mm-hmm. many people want to wait until they're an expert at something to be able to talk about it or move through it. And by the time you're an expert, first of all, that doesn't exist in most things. Yeah. And yeah. second of all, like you can't relate to the people you're trying to relate to anymore mm-hmm. because you're so more, much more polished than they are that they're like, well, I could never be like that. So um, <laughs> just know if you're out there sitting there listening, wanting to do something and you're like, I'm just not good enough yet. That means this is the perfect time for you to start. Oh, yeah. I mean, I had my first podcast. That's how I learned. And and it's gone from there. And if you listen to the first few episodes of this of my audio branding podcast, <laughs> you will probably laugh. <laughs> oh, mine are awful. I tell yep. people all the time. And it's so crazy because this is one of those situations where the content can overtake audio and not often. And so I had (laughs) this episode, it's, I'll never forget it. It's episode number five of my podcast. I'm almost at 200. So Mm -hmm. a long time ago. And 
I didn't know how to audio at all. Um, I didn't know how to do any of this. And so I recorded this on, it was audio only, and I did it in um, Audacity, mm -hmm. an audio program, and I didn't know how to select my mic. And so I didn't know oh, that okay. my computer mic was mm -hmm. selected, not my actual mic mic. It was a review of Brene Brown's TED Talks, which are incredibly close to my heart and important in my journey. Mm -hmm. And it is my most listened to episode. And so I was like, okay, people like this content. So yeah. I'm going to re-record this right. Mm -hmm. And nobody freaking listened to it. And so it's still <laughs> my most listened to episode. And I'm like, can you guys please find a better episode to like and listen to? Like, that would be amazing. Well, so I mean, my SEO background is coming back to haunt me right now <laughs> because I'm thinking that the reason people are finding that earlier episode is because it's aged well into the search engine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it is. And so yeah. I'm sitting here going, you know what? If anybody needs a picture perfect, like put a frame around it, definition of imperfect action. That's it. Like just go check out the beginning of episode or of yeah. podcast, right? Just do it. <laughs> so, right. I always like to um, start this segment off by asking you what success means to you. I feel like this is a question that doesn't get asked enough and we don't mm -hmm. take time to define it. So for you, what does success mean and how do you stay true to that definition? Uh, time freedom is is my success. You know, I it it's having enough money to not worry about taking jobs that I don't want to take. And that for me is so freeing. And and that's what I strive for. At this point in my career, in my voiceover career, I'm doing commercial and and corporate narration. I'm not doing video games and animation and audiobooks and anything long form like e-learning. I tend to stick to the stuff that's five minutes of finished audio or less. And the reason that I do that is so that I can, first of all, service my clients really quickly because I can get stuff back to them in like half an hour if, you know, depending on the circumstances. But it also means that there are no fires in my day, right? A fire would mean if I had to, for some reason, um, take care of something for someone and it was an hour and a half long e-learning thing, that would be a fire. For me, that would ruin my day. It wouldn't, it wouldn't, I mean, it's, it's, it would, it would put everything back. It would, <laughs> it would, it would screw my day up pretty badly. <laughs> um, so what I do uh, is I make sure that the, the projects I do are shorter so that I can take care of them quickly. It gets the, the, the audio in the hands of my client quickly. It gets it off my plate quickly because I also know that I am someone who hates having things in my inbox. Like I am seriously. You don't want to see my inbox right now uh, if that's the case. I Yeah, I seriously am like that's that's almost a, a focus of mine having little in my inbox just I don't want uh, yeah so that are you is, one of those people that you see the notification come up on your phone and it like has to be dealt with like right now almost, almost. okay I I, right. answer, I answer emails in like three minutes like okay <laughs> it can happen it can definitely happen so for me I like staying on top of things so you know limiting the amount of time that I have to um, put into the projects that I do, limiting their final time means that I can get it done quickly. It's not going to be something that stresses me out. 
And and that's important to me. I I am someone who needs my alone time as well. I'm very introverted. <laughs> you would never know, but I am very introverted. So I space things out in my day and worrying about where things are and and overscheduling myself can be really stressful to me. So That's interesting. Yeah, I know and to there's play to so my much. And and there's so much in there that I think is amazing such as playing to your strengths. You know, if if we know what we're good at and what stresses us out and brings down our energetic level to where we're Mm -hmm. not as productive. Why are we trying to put ourselves in a box that somebody else thrives in instead of saying like, I know if I have two hours of meetings, I need some downtime. I know that I need to limit my, my, um, projects to these type of projects. So Mm -hmm. I think one of the hardest things for new business owners and entrepreneurs to do is understand and embrace the word no. So for you, when you're saying, you know, I don't like to take projects that are like this, how do you really set that boundary and stick to it? Like, what are some tips you have for people about that? Well, for me, what happens is if someone invites me to a job that I know I don't want, rather than just saying, nope, sorry, don't do that, um, I will usually uh, reply, and it's usually by email that I get, the, get these invitations, I will usually reply, I don't do this, but I know several of my colleagues who are really good at it. Here's their information, and you can contact them instead, and I wish you well with your project. And it just it it lets them know that yes i care <laughs> i'm just I'm not, not going to do it, it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what about when you get somebody because i think that we have all experienced this in our lives mm-hmm. you get somebody who either intentionally or unintentionally i don't think that it matters um misrepresents the amount of time that's involved the like how do you maintain your boundary when you're in a conversation with somebody and you've all of a sudden realized that this isn't what you thought it was going to be you haven't taken on the job yet. You don't have any commitments mm-hmm. there. How do you, because I feel like there's so many times that we as human beings are like, but, but I can help, right? I, I need to help. Yeah. So how, how do you keep those boundaries for yourself? I think of other colleagues that would do this way better than I do. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the key, right? And I want to yeah. point out what you just said, because if we really care about our clients, okay. getting them in touch with the person who is the best person to help them yeah. is the most important thing for us to do. Instead of take on a job that we don't want, that we're not going to do as well, that we're not as qualified mm-hmm. for, that we don't really care whether we have, just because we don't want to say that two letter word, mm-hmm. you know, you know, it's like we've, <laughs> I, I think it was never split the difference oh, yeah. um, by Chris Voss, where he says, you know, you're the word no is like, you hear it constantly, constantly, constantly oh, yeah. growing up. And then we don't want to say it as adults, <laughs> right? Because we yeah. heard it growing up so much. So embracing that and saying, you know what, these are my boundaries. And I love that you are so clear about those. And I think so many people can learn from that. Mm-hmm. So moving that into you know, the people that you surround yourself with and the people who respect those boundaries and, mm-hmm. and one of the most unpopular opinions that I 100% agree with is that if people disrespect you, it's because you allow them to, right? People Mm -hmm. treat you the way you allow them to treat you. So Mm -hmm. those boundaries, making sure your circle is positive and upbringing and motivational and pushes you forward. um, How do you 
pick and maintain your relationships in a way that furthers your goals? Hmm, that is a, a good question. I mean, I think it evolves over time. I don't think it's something that happens overnight. I think when you know your own boundaries and are clear on those, then the people around you automatically start to understand what those are. Because if they don't, they're not in your life anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, I 100% agree that so many times people reaching over boundaries is because we've opened the door, right? Yeah, and, and I don't know. We need yeah. to know what our boundaries are. Once we know what our boundaries are, then other people will be able to know. <laughs> and have that self, um, self-worth and self-control to know mm -hmm. that if this person can't respect your boundaries, that you don't need them in your life. But so yeah. many times we tie our self-worth to this person in some way or another, sure. or what they bring to it or the community they can introduce us to. And so we're like, well, I'll, I'll open the door just this once. And then mm -hmm. the floodgates, right? Oh, so I think yeah. that's incredibly important. Um, as we shift and have just a few minutes left, mm -hmm. I love talking about failure, which are words that I okay. never thought I'd say ever in my life. Yeah. Um, I just think that it's so important to fail and to learn from your failures and then mm -hmm. to adjust and go again. So for you, as you've come up in your entrepreneurial journey, built your businesses, built this life that you have for yourself, what is the biggest lesson that you've learned about failure? That it's a learning experience. You know, it's uh, when I was first a uh, voice talent, I got my first demo, my first professional demo done by what they call a demo mill. And the reason that they call them a demo mill is because they basically will take anyone with a credit card, put you in front of a mic, not give you much of instruction, give you a, a you know, a script and then let you go. Right. <laughs> so and then the product's awful. Right. Yeah. Because, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so what happened was this was right at the beginning of my career. I had some vocal training, but I didn't really know about voiceovers yet. I hadn't really had any coaching for voiceovers yet. And I thought, oh, this will be easy. Like a lot of people do. <laughs> and it turns out that I spent a lot of money on a demo that became a digital doorstop because it was absolutely useless as something that would sell me. And it, didn't show off any connection to what I was saying. You know, I had no acting at all, which is really what this job is. <laughs> and and I just, it was a, a huge mistake. And I actually compounded the mistake by going onto a message board at the time. This was like 2008. I, I can think. see where this is going. Yeah. And putting it all over the message board saying, hey, hi, <laughs> I'm so happy I got this done. What do you think? You know, and Oh my God. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's, that's great. Oh, I feel like we've yeah. all been there of like, I got this done and you're not congruent with it, but you're like, I feel like I have to share this because I oh, did it. I didn't so. know. I didn't oh, know. You didn't know. I did not know. Yes. I didn't know how bad it was. <laughs> uh, you haven't listened to it yet. Uh, well, no, I had heard it, but I didn't know what the difference was between gotcha. what a good demo was and what a bad demo was. I was brand new. I had had no clue. And the so, people on that message board told me. <laughs> I'm glad. That was going to be my next question is, did yeah. they tell you? And oh, then yeah. on the other side of that, because how many times do we ask for feedback and then we get the feedback and we're like, whoa, whoa, I didn't want that feedback, right? Give me oh, your yeah. good stuff. Oh, so yeah. when somebody gives you that constructive feedback of, hey, like 
<laughs> this isn't something that you mm -hmm. should probably be sharing. Like, yeah. How do you receive that? And what is your personal internal process of processing feedback and determining whether or not you want to take it to heart? Oh, it's hard. I will say that taking constructive criticism for, you know, that's actually offered as constructive criticism as opposed to just being mean <laughs> uh, is it's hard because you put your heart and soul into something and then someone isn't appreciating it the way that you hope they would appreciate it. Right. <laughs> but at the same time, I had to sort of step step back from what I'd done and say, okay, well, clearly I made a mistake here. And I actually went and asked the person who had been the most vocal in his criticism in private message and said, I, I put this out there because I thought it was good. I honestly have no idea what to do now. Help. <laughs> uh, how can I make this better? You know, what do I do? And he was kind enough. And this was a 30-year veteran actor in Chicago at the time who basically took me under his wing and said, well, here's what you do. So he would send me scripts and I would read them into or perform them into an mp3 send it back to him he would critique it he'd send it back to me i'd try again and i'd keep doing it until he was happy right so i kind of learned in a roundabout way what acting was i didn't even realize that voiceover was acting until he told me yeah, you know, there's so many amazing things about that. And most importantly, you would never have had that experience if you wouldn't have been willing to have the vulnerability to say, I need help, mm -hmm. right? And then taking that, um, I think that the world is much more helpful than we give it credit for Yeah, when we authentically and vulnerably ask for that help, right? Yeah. But too many times our ego's in the way and we want the help and then we don't want to do the work or we want the help, but then we don't want to hear what people have to say because it hurts. Because oh, trust it, me. it hurts, right? I, yeah, I, I had a, a few moments of like, you know, crying and whatever else because I had wasted all that money on something I couldn't use. It was awful. And then I put myself out in the middle of, you know, a public forum and said, you know, here and and it wasn't any good. I mean, my goodness, that is painful. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But you, you know, I mean, what do you do? Like, it, are you going to let that stop you is is my was my question to myself. Like, is that do I want this to be the end of my voice acting career? Is that yeah. it? Like, or do I have to get by this? And I ultimately had to get by it. So you swallow your pride yeah. <laughs> and you ask for help. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. So before we wrap up and go into the success, um, or I'm sorry, this the random round segment of this, <laughs> sure. I um, always like to ask people for a practical piece of advice that they have. I believe that we design our lives in the way we want it to have to mm -hmm. be. We're intentional. We create the life we want and we have the ability to shift any part of that at any time. So for you, what are some tips that you have on intentionality and being really clear about your day? Uh, I would say to people, don't be afraid to outsource. Oh, that's a good one. Um, and I think a lot of people could outsource a lot earlier than they think. 
And the reason I say that is because if you want to truly be doing what you enjoy in a day, you have to pass off the other stuff that you don't enjoy to someone else. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. And I think that we're raised, I know I went through this so much when I started outsourcing my life, not Mm -hmm. my business, right? Like having somebody clean my house for me, getting groceries delivered, like all this stuff where you have that guilt where you're like, I'm an able-bodied human, right? Like I can do this. It's like we're raised to think like, if you can do it, you do it. Like don't rely on people. Sure. Yeah. And then you get to this point where you're like, but my time, like I don't have any more time to do yeah. these things. And um, I love that advice. And I really hope people take it to heart. And I love that you said that people can outsource sooner than they think they can. Cause I think that that's the most important part of that. Yeah. Well, because what happens is I think people delay until they think they have enough money <laughs> you know, yeah, um, but, but enough money is really this thing you're chasing out in the distance and it's never going to be yours. Like, you know, yeah. you never know when you've reached it. You know what I mean? For so example, I know what you mean more than, you know, yeah, like, that's, that's my, that's my journey. Right. Um, well, exactly. So, yeah. so what I would say is when you outsource to someone, then you are at that same time, freeing up your time to be able to do more of what makes you money. Yeah, I love it. I love it. You know, it really brings this idea of this pot of gold at the end of a rainbow to a whole Mm -hmm. new light. Because we think of that as this like fairy tale or whatever it is. And we don't realize that that's how we most of the time live our lives is like Mm -hmm. chasing that pot of gold that we're never going to get. Jody, I have absolutely loved our conversation today. I think <laughs> what you do is so, it's just so intriguing to me. And especially as I've moved into this space where audio is so important, mm-hmm. I, I love what you do and the insight that you gave about kind of the psychology behind it, which I think is awesome. Um, let's go ahead and do a quick random round if you're okay with that. I have a few sure. harmless questions. Okay. Um, if you could time travel, where would you go and why? You know, I would probably go about 200 years in the future um, because I want to see what we do. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind Um, of that scary, like, I cannot look, right? You know, I I would like to think that we would learn and that it would be a better future as opposed to a worse. Like, I'm hoping if I went 200 years in the future, I wouldn't be in, like, Mad Max. (laughs) 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 But, um, yeah, but I want to see where we take things because... I want to believe in the the greatness of, of humankind, and I'd like to see where that leads us. I love it. Um, if you could do any profession other than what you're currently doing, what do you think would be fun to attempt? Well, I mean, it depends on if you mean, is it something I could actually do? <laughs> no, it doesn't have to be something okay. you can do. Okay. I would love to to be an artist. I really have always admired people who can create something out of nothing when it comes to art. You and, and me both. Yeah, I've, I've just so admired that. Uh, one of my friends is a children's illustrator, and she's just so talented. And I have always really admired what it takes to put that together, to create that artwork in a way that intrigues people. I love it. Um, when you are consuming content, do you prefer to read physical books, listen to audiobooks, listen to podcasts? What's your favorite? Oh, physical books. Definitely. Really? Yeah. That definitely. surprises me. Yeah. I would have thought that you, with your auditory, your love for auditory <laughs> things, that you would have been more of an auditory learner. You know, uh, it's strange, but I think because of my 
INFJ-ness <laughs> yeah. that I actually, I prefer silence. I actually, I love it. when I'm relaxing, I need peace and peace to me is silence. So uh, I don't play music a whole lot. Um, I make music. When I make music, it's a, it's a creative endeavor for me. And I'm thinking about it intentionally. When I'm listening to music, it's a distraction because wow. I'm, because I'm thinking of it too much. I'm thinking about how they made it. I yeah. want to know the I want to know the mechanics, right? So for me, it almost gives me a headache. <laughs> I could see that. I could see that. I feel that way when I watch like legal shows. I'm like, just shut yeah. it, shut it off. Like this isn't real. Exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> what book do you think you've recommended the most, or what book would you recommend to new entrepreneurs on their journey? Oh, um, Marie Forleo's Everything is Figure Outable. I actually, I have recommended that to several people. Um, and I, I'm sure that Brene Brown has several out there oh, too. A lot. Um, yeah. And I love her stuff as well. So yeah. <laughs> Perfect. And then we talked about my love for music. I know that you share love for music as well. Do you have a pump up song? You know, you're going to laugh. Uh, just recently, um, don't stop me now by queen <laughs> yes i love it oh, i love it i love queen and i love queen just because of the harmonies like uh, first of all i mean freddie freddie's voice is amazing i so mean so unreal could you can you imagine that there was a point in time where he thought that he was not like gonna be a performer. I, I think it's amazing that he became a performer. Yes. And I think it, all of all of the things that led to him being who he yes. was was fantastic. But uh, I mean, maybe not so fantastic for him, but, <laughs> but you know. Fantastic um, for us to talk about that, it now yeah, and learn because, from it. Because I so appreciate the tone and the timber and the power of his voice. But yeah. the harmonies that Queen did together, the, the harmonies of the guitars. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like it just, I love harmony. That is like one of my loves when it comes to music. And That's so amazing. Queen is like my be all and end all when it comes to harmony. I love them. I love it. That's amazing. All right. So very last question. Everybody mm -hmm. wants to know where they can find you. Where can they connect with you? What's <laughs> the best place for them to go to continue this conversation? Uh, well, they can go to my website, which is voiceoversandvocals.com, and they can go to the podcast website, which is audiobrandingpodcast.com. I'm also on Clubhouse, so I have an, um, a power of sound discussion that happens every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, and we talk about various different topics. So we talk about voice, we talk about podcasting, we talk about storytelling, and we talk about music. And then every once in a while, I'll toss in an audio branding specific discussion. But uh, I'm always looking for co-hosts. So anyone who wants to join me on there and co-host a room with me is more than welcome to reach out and private message me on social media. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, just as Jody Krangle. And uh, I welcome the connection. Perfect. Well, Jody, I really appreciate your time. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks so much for inviting me. It's been great. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the More Than Corporate Podcast. If anything that was said during this episode resonated with you or provided value in any way, it would mean the world to me if you would head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review for the More Than Corporate Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that. I'm really looking forward to connecting with you. If you'd also like to connect, I've created a Facebook group that is full of amazing people who also make it their mission to live their best life every single day. If that sounds like something that you're interested in, the name of that Facebook group is Success Center. Head over there, request to join, and I look forward to connecting with you soon.